Thanks, man. God bless. Amen. Amen. Oh, you guys standing up? Give the glory to God. Don't give it to me. <laughs> amen. 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 Somebody shout amen. amen. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. God is good. How you guys feeling today? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. Turn to your other neighbor and say, <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, how you doing? Turn to your other and say, welcome to church. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's about time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Listen, I just want to give a couple shout outs. I don't, you know, a lot of you might know me, but I don't know if you know uh, my, my, blood, my brother, my flesh of my flesh, my blood of my blood. So I want to give a big shout out. Jonas, I love you, but no, it's a, <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, so just stand up. Let them see your pretty face. He's married, y'all. Amen. I use him in probably every single one of my sermons, him and his 50 kids. Amen. I love him to death. I love him to death. I also want to give a big shout out. Um, I, I don't know if a lot of you are doing this, but, you know, I, I encouraged my, my boss to come to church. And he showed up. So, everybody, I just want to give a round of applause to Mr. Njoku. How you doing, boss? So I feel a little more extra pressure. And then pastor just preached a wonderful sermon, and I'm sitting up here like, okay, I can't top that, pastor. You have a wonderful anointing on you, and I'm stuck with, like, my little one. But I, I work with what I got, amen? amen? Listen, you guys know when I'm up here, I'm very transparent. Um, I like to pretty much, you know, go for my heart and, 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 and basically lift up God. With my own personal life, I don't, you know, point fingers. I look at myself as an example. I, I, I live, I walk on this earth. I struggle just like everybody else. I go through so much just like everybody else. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they see me up here. They see me smiling. They see me jumping. They see me leaping. But a lot of it is because I know what God can do um, in a life that has been broken and has been beat up. And has been tormented for many, many, many years. So what you really see up here is not really a performance. It's really just me giving my glory to God the best way I know how. With a gift that he has given me. That to be honest with you doesn't really come out when I'm outside. It only comes out when I'm up here. But I'm trying to learn how to operate like this at work so I can get more money. Side note to my boss. Amen. Hallelujah. We need breakthrough (laughs) in this place. As I was praying for this word, uh, God started to speak to me deeply about a lot of things that I've been, uh, you know, dealing with in my life. And I, like, I, like I said before, I like to speak about my, my struggles, you know, because I know a lot of the stuff that I go through, a lot of people go through, but then when they come up here, they don't really speak about it, you know. So I, I believe that God uses me to kind of just, you know, share things that a lot of people are maybe ashamed to say or maybe struggling to say in front of people because how many of you know when you come to church, you got to put your church smacks on and, and, and you got to fake it till you make it when you come in here. Because if somebody finds out that you're struggling with something, oh, Lord, have mercy. Fifty hands are going to come to you trying to deliver you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. She just preached my whole sermon. There's some reverb on the mic. I don't know. I can like hear an echo. I don't know if we could fix that, but that's cool. Um, so, you know, when I come up here, I, I like to be transparent. I like to talk about issues and one of the main topics that has been going around um, as I've been, you know, 
at work and, you know, at home and, and talking to a lot of the youth and talking to a lot of the parents has been depression and anxiety. And, and it's been, oh, girls, you, you here. I'm here with you. Wherever you at, that clap was for me. Amen. Because I, I was struggling because as I saw the singing and the, and the worshiping, I saw everybody dancing. And I said, God, I think you put me in the wrong church this morning. Because I'm about to preach a message that goes deep and everybody's rejoicing and dancing. But how do we address the situations that we have inside? Because it's easy to cover the things up, but it's harder to deal with the stuff within. And, and, and I think that God wants to do some surgery today. And I, and I feel that God wants to work in and through me to get to you so then we can start getting together so we can be a healed church. A church that praises God with one mind and one accord and praises them freely. So that when we sing the song Freedom... We really mean what we say, and we really feel it, and we're living it, and we're breathing it in Jesus' name. So uh, I got a quick verse, and it has nothing to do with the sermon, but I felt I needed to bring some encouragement first before I hit you with the boom, bat, boom, bat. I made that up just now. Thank you. Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. How many of you guys know that God's love never ceases? That's the reason why you're here today, because God never gave up on you. It's the reason why you're still standing is because God never gave up on you. If this is your first day here in this church or hearing the gospel for the first time, I want you to know that even if you don't know who God is, he never gave up on you. And every single day that you wake up, there is new mercy. There is new grace. There is a new hope. Come on now, you don't got to stay stuck in the struggle. You don't got to stay stuck in the chaos. It's not for you. That stuff is meant to be rebuked, cast out, and annoyed and void, thrown to the side for you never to deal with again. The Bible says to cast your worries on the Lord. How many of us are doing that? I got some hands, but how many of us are not doing that? Don't raise your hand. Because today we're going to have to address that. Because you're talking to a dude that has, that has dealt with depression on a high level. You're talking to a dude that has been on his own, that had to learn how to survive on his own. You're, you're listening to a dude that has lived on fire escapes, that have slept outside of the home. You understand? Like, I, I know what it's like to have the, the, the white rice with the ketchup and no meat. How many of you had the white rice with the ketchup? How many of you guys praise God for the white rice and the ketchup? Listen, ain't nothing like white rice and ketchup. I'll be looking at them... You know, people down in Soho eating the little small carrot with the little green bees. And I'm looking at them. You need some white rice and ketchup in Jesus' name. Season that bad boy with some Goya and Sasson and it's now yellow rice with ketchup. Amen. <laughs> Listen. If you don't know me, you're going to get to know me today. Amen. God is good. So listen, about 85% of the United States walks in depression and anxiety. 85%. That means there's only a selective few that actually wake up and are happy to be awake. That means there's only a selective few that are at work and are happy to be at work. That means that there's really only a selective few that come to church and really understand what's happening in the church. That means that there's only a selective few that actually lift their hands and believe that when they're lifting up their hands, they're, they're, they're lifting them up to a God that can save. You know, a lot of us, we walk by people every single day and we don't realize that a lot of them are struggling the same way you're struggling. A lot of them are dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with. 
And, you know, we come to church and we get this hurrah and we talk about certain topics, but we never touch the stuff that really destroys us from within. The stuff that when we go home, we still got to deal with. The stuff that when we're at home laying down before we go to sleep, we're struggling with these ideas. We're struggling with these thoughts that are attacking us and that are killing us. And we try to fake the funk. But to be honest with you, the only one that could really help us is not a therapist. The really one that, that could only help us is not a medicine. It, it's not a pill. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a pill. When I was younger, they, they pumped me with Ritalin. It ain't help. You understand what I'm trying to say? That the medicines don't work. But, but what does work, that I know for a fact really does work, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Abba, our Father. Is El Shaddai. Is Jehovah Shalom. Is our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. That, I know for a fact, my friends, works. He's the only one that can come within and change. He's the only one that could take a sinner and make him into a righteous man. He's the only one that could take a broken marriage and heal it. He's the only one that could take a diseased person and heal it. People want to say it's science. People want to say it's medicine. People want to say it's schools. People want to say it's degrees. People want to say it's knowledge. But the only thing that I know for a fact that works is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's the Lord God Almighty. It's our God. It's our King of kings and Lord of lords. And to be honest with you, this is what drags you in, because a lot of times we get tired and fed up with our situation and you get dragged into the church because the spirit of the Lord is pulling you in. It's pulling you deeper. And instead of you coming in and delivering yourself from those situations, allowing God to deliver you from those situations, we come in, we give our tithe, we look good, we smile, we thank the minister, they lay the heads. We really don't believe it because you try not to get pushed down on the floor because they're pumping your head like this. So you're not receiving the prayer because you're too busy trying to avoid the, the pride. You know, because everybody is strong. Everybody got it. And I'm sorry, especially men. Ladies, can I get an amen? Can I get a hurrah? My wife was like, yes, Nate, preach it. Men, men, men. We, 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 we choose to throw the world on our backs. We choose to throw the world on our shoulders. And we carry this thing like we're G.I. Joes and army men because that's what we knew from childhood. And deep down inside, you know that you want to cry because you're hurting and you're breaking and you're dealing with father issues. You're dealing with mother issues. You're dealing with job issues. You're dealing with relationship issues. You're dealing with marriage issues. You're dealing with issues from your finances and strongholds. And you sit there and you go, no, I got it. I got to be a man. I got to be strong. I can't look weak in front of other people. I can't look soft in front of other people. So you come to church and you sit there and you praise, but you leave with the same luggage that you walked in with. And today is time to let that luggage go. It's too heavy for you. It's not meant for you to carry. And what happens is that a lot of men that are married, they hold their luggage and now their wife got to pull it with you. And that's the reason why there's no freedom in the crib because you got two people struggling trying to carry a thing that you should be letting go. Or some of y'all women are carrying some issues from childhood when they called you ugly or when, when, when that boy didn't like you and he said you're too fat and he said you got no hair or bad teeth and you had braces and it was sticking out and you was like, you, you want to be my valentine? 
And the boy said, oh, Lord, no. And, and you carried those issues. And now when you're married, you're trying to look so beautiful. And your husband just likes you for the normal, regular person that you are. And you don't got to change your body. You don't got to. Oh, man. I, 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 cause I, I was about to start ODing in here and start showing you some of the things that people do when they go to Dominican Republic and, and, and you know, start to get these injections that all of a sudden you look normal and then you come in looking like, girl, let me tell you what I did to my body. And we mess up because we're not listening to the fact that God says, I love you for who you are. You don't got to do all the change. You know, you don't got to hide behind titles. You don't got to hide behind degrees. You don't got to hide behind jobs and cars and clothing. You don't got to hide behind all that. Because the fact is that when God loves you, he comes into your life, he sets you free. You can be who you are, wherever you are. And you don't got to be bound or held with strongholds. And I just felt like saying the clothing part because I, for one, have always looked at my clothing as a sign to hide behind the fact that I don't feel worthy, the fact that I don't feel smart enough. And the other day I I was walking by and this little kid, because, you know, the kids in schools are vicious. (laughs) And uh, I was on the third floor of my school and the joke was laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. He hears it all the time. I was walking by and one of the kids went, damn, Mr. Medina. I can see your whole brain through your bald spot. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I really don't care. I kind of like my bald spot. But after hearing, after hearing a certain thing over and over and over and over, something that could have been your strength now becomes your weakness because you start to give into it. And now I started finding myself wearing more hats so I won't get those comments. But I started realizing that I'm changing my way of being to fit somebody else's need. Just because somebody says something to you doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it correct. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it law. The only one that can speak, pastor said it, the only one that can speak and it becomes law is God. He's the one that's called you great. He's the one that called you greater. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He that is in the world. So why are you allowing the world to dictate what God already spoke? Anxiety is a real thing. And one thing I want to talk about anxiety, I was going to read the scripture, but Julio, if you could put that up. One of the examples that I, as I was like studying for it, and I started to look up the word anxiety one thing that stood out to me the most was, was the fact that, number one, everything is in capital letters. Anxiety is a type of word that screams at you. It's kind of like similar, like when the Bible says that, that the devil is circling around like a roaring lion. People misinterpret that Bible verse because they think that the devil is a lion. He's not a lion. He, he screams like a lion. But he's not a lion. There's only one lion of Judah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was reading that verse and I started to realize that, that the enemy circles around like a roaring lion so what that told me was that when he circles around like a roaring lion he's screaming and he's yelling and it's up to us to receive what he's saying it's, it's a decision it's a decision let me read the verse let me stop messing with y'all here we go let's go to don't, don't take that off I'm just going to read it I'm just going to read it. 
1 Peter 5, 5.10. If you've got your Bibles, open it up. Mark it with a yellow highlighter. Do what you do. And if you don't have your Bible, open up your iPhone, Samsung, LG, Galaxy. I don't even know. T-Mobile, Sprint, Metro PCS, Cricket. God only knows how many more it is. $50 fee, <laughs> T-Mobile, Virgin. I mean, let's, let's just, we could go on and on. So it says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I just want to address this real quick. So those of you that are younger, you need the adults to guide you. Humble yourself to your elders. That means you need everybody that's 50 and up, raise your hand. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for your service. Thank you for all your wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for allowing us to learn from you when we speak to you. Because you got something to offer us, young people, that we need. I know that some of the things that you went through, you can teach me so I won't have to go through it. So I appreciate the fact that God allowed you to live so long so you can have so much wisdom that you can pour out unto the young folk. And, 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 and some of them just need to open up their ears and just listen to you guys. But it's funny how the Bible says, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility. Even the elders need to have some humility. The, the, the Bible, the message Bible says that everybody is, is, is on the same level. Let's go on it. Here we go. The message Bible says, when God is the big, is, is the, when God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he'll see that you've done it right and command you lavishly. And you are the younger ones must follow your leaders. But all of your leaders and all of your followers alike are all down to earth for one another. That means your leaders, you have to go down to earth to meet the young folk. That means that if I'm dealing with something and you are my elder, you are my leader. Don't judge me. Help me. Come down to earth and let's dialogue and don't be so spiritually high on your high horse because of your title or age or position that you miss the fact that somebody's crying out for help. The title doesn't mean a thing. The money doesn't mean a thing. The position doesn't mean a thing. The fact that the fact of the matter is that the only command that God gave us was one of the commands he said, love your neighbor as what? So therefore, when a young person is coming up to you or even an older adult, don't look at them because they're going through a divorce and look down on them. Don't look at them because they don't know how to not talk without cursing and say, oh, I can't pray for you. Don't look at them and then look at their struggles and judge them on that. Don't ever base a book by its cover. Read the inside first and know what's going on in their life before you begin to read the back part of it so you can try to tell them what the finished story is going to look like. Give them a chance to be healed. Give them a chance to be delivered. Give them a chance to know who God is before you look at them and chastise them and, and rebuke them and cast things out of their life. Know what's really going on. Get down and dirty with them. Allow them to be able to tell you, you don't know if they've been through an accident. You don't know the struggles that people had. That's why I believe that the God is rising up a church that people can walk in through the doors and look foolish and still be preached to. That you, could, that, that, that you can be a minister even though you, in the past you put tattoos on your body or piercings on your body. That does not mean that God cannot use you. Because God's grace is new every single day. There is new mercies. And I'm tired of going up to people and I tell them, yo, I'm struggling with something. And they look at me like, whoa, I can't deal with that. 
We got to be able to be there for one another. Other religions are growing and they're prospering because they're not looking at certain things. They're bypassing that and saying, listen, just sit on the rug and bow and just pray up to, to, to Allah. And now Muslims is growing by leaps and bounds while Christianity is struggling because as people come in, we're judging them as soon as they walk into the door. Because we're choosing to try to dialect about politics that really doesn't matter within the church. Because we're standing up because one is an African-American and one is a Spanish person and one is white and the other one is this and the other one is that. But to be honest with you, what unites us is the blood of Jesus. And this is why he died on the cross. And this is what sets us free. And this is what we should be preaching from the pulpits. It's not hate or division. It's love. The fact that we need to love one another. The fact that we need to be able to lift each other up and pray for one another. Forgive me if I'm not preaching the way I normally preach, but I got to get this out. So I got to be able to do this the way God is telling me to do it. So as we go back into Peter, it says, clothe yourself in righteousness, opposed to the proud, but give grace to the humble. That means God opposes the people that are proud. He opposes the people that are proud. People that walk in and be like, oh, you dealing with divorce? Well, I've never been divorced in my life. How can God be glorified through that? It says, humble yourself. God needs us to be humble. The fact that we receive grace is because we know that we can't do it alone. We cannot do this alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, but you're definitely not alone. I'm going to tell you why you're not alone. Because there is a God that will never leave you nor forsake you. There is a God that is steadfast. There is a God that does not change his mind. There is a God that whatever you're dealing with, he can overcome that. There's a God that if you're dealing with something, he can break it. There's a God that believes in you, that wants to rise you up for such a time as this, for a season like this. The reason why you wake up is because God's still saying there's a plan and purpose for your life. I know that I can do something miraculous through your life. And regardless to what you dealt with in the past, regardless to what you're dealing with now, if you allow me to come in and, and chisel it off of you, I'll break it off your life for you to never see that same enemy again. But you got to be able to go through the process. You got to be able to be vulnerable. You got to be able to go before God and say, I need some help, Lord. You got to be able to go, I'm just a man, God. I'm just a woman, God. I don't know how to parent. I don't know how to work in my marriage. I don't know how to do certain things, God. I need you to come in and help me with this stuff. And God says that he gives grace to the humble. So as you come to him humble, he, he, he honors you with the grace. He honors you with the mercy. God says that he will turn your mourning into You will wake up two-stepping. You will wake up step in the name of love. Step in the name of love. Step in the name of love. So I'll be like, you using R. Kelly in the church? Yeah. It's a part of my past that is going to make me great. Amen? It says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. Man, I wish Tony could, like, come here and just take over for, like, a couple minutes because he could break it down for you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to do my best, Tony, because you preached about the hand of God one Bible story when I was about, like, 22 years old. I'm not going to give my age because the ball spot already is kind of telling them how old I am. But I remember Tony gave a, gave a lesson about the hand of God, and he started to speak about how the hand of God, number one, has power. Write this down. The hand of God has power. The hand of God is, was, was over the Israelites when they crossed that sea. The hand of God was with the Israelites when they were in the desert. 
The hand of God has power that can break any bondage, any stronghold over your life. If you trust the hand of God, the hand of God will perform. If you trust the hand of God, the hand of God will do. If you trust the hand of God, it will break. It will do exactly what the hand of God does, and the hand of God is mighty and is powerful if you believe it. The hand of God has power. Number two, the hand of God has provision. The Lord will provide when you're in your struggle. The Lord has equipped you. He equipped you already with strength that you didn't even know you had. Think about every single time you felt like you couldn't see the next day. Think about every single time you felt like giving up. And you can even go back to when you weren't even saved. God was still looking over you. He said, I knew you when I put you in your mother's womb. He said, I had a plan and I had a purpose for you. And this is not your purpose and this is not your plan. So before you take that knife and cut your wrist, think about it. And a lot of times when you dropped it, that was the spirit of the Lord. That was God saying, don't worry about it. In 2018, you're going to be in the church. There's going to be some small dude preaching to you about depression and anxiety that's going to help you through that. Because I have a plan and a purpose for you. This is not it. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not it. Say to your neighbor and say, my ladder shall be greater. Woo! Provision. When the, when the Israelites was in the desert, God, and for 40, for 40 years... Their clothes never ran out. Their Air Max, Vans, Jordans, Gucci, Louis Vuittons never wore out. They didn't ask for it. They didn't even know what to do. But God provided, provided for them even when they didn't know it was for their good. They didn't know when that season was going to be over. They had no idea when it was going to stop. The only thing that they knew is that every single day there was new manna coming down. Hey, shout the ball. Come on now. How many of you guys want to be in a season where God has his provision over you? And every lack that you think you have, God is meeting it. Come on. The Bible says that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So I know that the needs that I have right now, the needs that I'm struggling with, the ideas that have been attacking me, the type of anxiety that I've been going through, the type of depression that I've been dealing with, God is providing even in that. And he's saying, listen, hold on. And he's saying, don't let go. And he's saying, take the ride with me and watch me break these generational curses. Watch me get your family back in worship mode. Watch me get your finances back in prosperation. Come on, listen, I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to let you know that God is here and God is getting ready to do something in your life if you allow it to happen. And it says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, which is power and provision, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. God knows exactly when he's going to exalt you. God knows exactly when he's going to get you out. God knows exactly when he's going to do the miracle in your life. Stop trying to make God do it before the season is right. A lot of us have been praying, Lord, make it happen and make it happen now. If he gives it to you now, you might mistreat it right now. You might not, you know, you might not take advantage fully of the opportunity if he gives it to you too soon. Every single time I give my daughter $5, 
I turn around, the $5 is gone in two minutes. She mistreats the finance because she doesn't know the power of it yet. She doesn't know what the power of the dollar can do for her. If she spends a little, saves a little. Spends a little, saves a little. If you give somebody to something too soon, they'll mistreat it. They'll misuse it. And a lot of times, God is watching you in the test, in the trial, to see how you react. To see how you handle it. So then if you can, if you can handle saving, if you can handle finances, if you can handle a good marriage, if you, if you feel like you're ready for a relationship, he might bless you right then and there. But he's testing us every single time. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, the, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that's when I got to this part. Because I started to think about this fishnet, and I was going to have a fishnet up here, and I was going to have a whole bunch of items, and I was going to start throwing stuff into the fishnet. But then I thought about the fact that the church might not have the insurance if I hit him in the eye and I knock his eyeball out not to do that. Bad idea. So then I thought about this, and I thought about the fact that when the Bible tells us to cast all of our anxieties on him, what he's saying is, do the transfer with me. I can carry this for you. I can deal with this for you. Let me get that. Pass that on to me. And then when I looked at the word anxiety, one of the things that we struggle with the most, what is the middle letter in the word anxiety? You got to learn how to get yourself out of the equation and begin to trust God to handle it. Because you can't say, I'm going to give it to you Take two steps, it goes, eh, I'll change my mind. And you begin to carry it. The anxiety is the I in the middle. You got to get yourself out of the anxiety. And you got to give it to someone that can handle that. Someone that can deal with it. Someone that can make sure that it never happens again. Because you can't say, I'm going to heal myself. You can't say, oh, I'm going to deliver myself. You can't say, oh, I declare freedom over myself. You got to say, the Lord is going to deliver me. You got to say, the Lord is going to heal me. You got to say, the Lord is going to recover me. You got to say, the Lord is going to save me. Because you know that you can't do it on yourself. That's why Peter says that you got to come humble. Because Peter understood what it was like to, to look stupid before Jesus. Because he told Jesus in the dinner table, I don't care how many may fall. I'm never going to fall. I'm always going to be there. And, the devil, and then Jesus said, may the devil rebuke you. Because by the second time that the crow crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I won't. Because that was the young Peter. That was the one that was moving too quick too soon. And that's why Peter now is, is he's smart. He's wiser now. That's why he says you need these elders to teach you some things, young people, because you're moving too fast and you're making too many mistakes that you don't have to make. But if you come humble to your elders and if your elders become leveled out because they need to also understand that they can't do it because of a title, because they can't do it because of anointing, because they can't do it because they have a gift. They got to understand, too, that they cannot break anxiety because of that. Because of a title, because of a position, because of, they can't do it. The only one that could do it is God. So Peter understood that. He denied Jesus three times. And then all of a sudden, all you heard was, go, 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 go. And then Peter started to cry and mourn because he spoke too soon. And what happened to Peter? Peter understood what it was like to be in anxiety. He understood what it was like to be in depression. 
Because the same Jesus that you saw feed 5,000 people, the same Jesus you saw take the blind and now they can see, the same Jesus you saw raise up Lazarus from the dead and resurrect, is the same Jesus you said you would never fall to the wayside. And you looked at all the other disciples. He looked at the disciples like, you soft, you soft, you going to run, you going to run. And that's exactly how we are. We are we big and bad. I got a new car. I got a new, I got a new wife. Like, I'm bad now. And you get into the first argument and you, maybe I made the wrong choice. Y'all don't want to hear me. Julio, put the other word down. It's always the pride before the fall. The Mr. Oh, it can't happen to me. Mr. That would never happen to me. Miss, I got my house in order. Miss, I'm doing my thing. But you're too prideful. And the reason why you can't get rid of this stuff that you're dealing with is because you're too busy saying God, telling God, Lord, heal me. But at the same time, you go to the block like, yo, how much money I can make today, B? And you're not trusting the process. You're not going through your season of brokenness. And a lot of y'all think that God, the only thing he wants you to do is suffer. He don't want you to suffer. He wants to be able to heal you. He wants to be able to elevate you. But he can't do that until you go through your process. You got to get rid of that pride. And sometimes I feel like that's one of the main things that I, 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 I'm good at. Because I know that I'm not good enough. I know what it's like to be called on in class and I don't know how to read out loud. I know what it's like to be embarrassed in front of people. I know what it's like not to be worth. Like, I, I, I understand that. So when I came to Christ and I started to see him use me, I wasn't prideful about it. Because I had the understanding clear cut from the top. It wasn't because of me. And no matter what happens, 50,000 people could show up. I'm still going to give that glory to God. Because I don't have that type of pride in me. People be like, oh, Nate, yo, you, you, you a preacher, man. Yo, I'm going to pray for you, son. I'm going to be like, I'm going to pray for you, too. Because the same battles I'm dealing with, you dealing with. The same struggles I'm dealing with, you dealing with. And I don't got that pride where I feel like I'm more special than somebody. I don't got that pride to make me feel like as if I'm more exe- like, 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 like I'm more important than somebody. I'm not important. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a soldier for God. I'm a vulnerable man for God. I don't got that pride. If I'm struggling with something, yo, pray for me. I go up here all the time and tell yo, I'm dealing with this. My man go, wang. Sweat goes everywhere. But I'm trying to get delivered. I'm trying to be free. I'm tired of, you know, throwing it on my kids. I don't want my kids to have to battle the demons that I could rebuke right now. Oh, come on now. We got to get into a fight. We got to get into a war. We got to get ourselves out of the way. Get yourself out of the way. Anxiety and pride. Both letters in the middle is I. I shall not be prideful. I shall not have anxiety. Why? Not because of I. Because I trust him. I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. I'm about to to end it. 
And if you could put this Bible verse up for me, uh, Julio. We're going to go to the book of... First Kings 19. I need my, my object of choice. No, I don't need no water. I'm good. And um, I know my brother... I know my brother's here probably to receive, but you mind serving real quick? Let everybody look at your beautiful muscles. Look, he lost like 25 pounds. He looks amazing. And the church is mad quiet right now. You guys good? You know, this has always been a vision of mine. I, I always wanted to do ministry with you. <laughs> yeah. You can put the Bible verse up. I don't know about child, but this is God right here. Listen, the enemy tried to kill us. The enemy tried to destroy us. Enemy still trying to destroy us. Enemy wants us to get divorced. The enemy wants us to run on our kids. The enemy wants us to beat on our kids. But the fact is that we crawl ourselves to church every single Sunday and says, Lord, have your way. I need your guide to life. And the fact that he's standing here today after all that he's been through, can I say some stuff? Can I use you? Going through alcoholism. Going through lustful thoughts. Going through drug abuse. Going through gang violence. Getting locked up. Getting left back two times. Dropping out of school. Oh, come on, man. Why are you still here? Ask your neighbor, why are you still here? No, 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 no. Ask your neighbor, why are you still here? Now, church, even after all that you've been through, you're still here. Come on, give God some glory. Go. So Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. Somebody say, you little snitch. Ahab is a little snitch. You got to hide behind your wifey. Some wives are strong. I'm not, you know, I'm not coming at women. Next thing you know, I get like a submission hold when I go outside or something like that. Like, you said I'm soft? And all of a sudden I got a chicken wing, like, and my boss is coming like, yo, what's good? You messing with my... <laughs> my boss is kind of strong, too. I, I'm, I'm around strong men. No homo. You know, God is good. <laughs> all right, Focus. <laughs> Here we go. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent the messenger to Elijah with her, with her threat. The gods will get you for this and will get you. I mean, and I'll even. Wait, what I said? The gods will get you for this and I'll get even with you by this time tomorrow. You'll be as dead as any one of the prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life. I just want to give some context real quick. I need you up here. You cool? Let me just 
Cool with that? We're going to do ministry together. All right. So right here, we got a story in First Kings. We got a story about Elijah. And right here, we find ourselves in a situation. Elijah received a message after he beat the prophets in somewhat of a competition. Am I right, Tony? The Baal prophets, they believed in Baal. They said, listen, whoever brings down fire first is the real God. Oh, my God. Let me get this ready. Whoever brings down fire first is the real God. And God has a sense of humor because he will allow people to look stupid until they realize that there is no other body else but God. Scientists is coming to save the knowledge of Jesus Christ. People are just understanding because you're trying to put God in a box and he can't be cornered. So these Baal prophets try to put your boy Elijah in a corner and they say, yo, let's go up for a challenge. Let's go up to this Mark Carmel real quick and let's do a challenge. We're both going to build an altar and we're both going to see which one brings fire first. So my boy Elijah went up there by himself. Because how many of you guys know that you are big and bad when you got the spirit of the Lord in you? <laughs> you can do some big things when you're by yourself. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a minister. You don't need an ordained deacon or usher. You can do it all by yourself. So when the enemy comes into your house, you can rebuke. You can cast out. You can anoint. You can get your kids delivered right in your home with the power that God has inside of you. But that's just a side note. So what I'm saying is Elijah went up there by himself. Baals and his prophets went up there with 450 people. Whoa. 450 prophets? I'm not going to lie. If I was Elijah, I'll get just a little bit intimidated. Because when I'm looking on the other side, I'm looking at billionaires. I'm looking at degrees. I'm looking at smart scientists. That to the world, they have a high level. But to God? Woo! But to God be the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Hey. So what happens is now we got a situation. He's looking at those prophets. And he, you know, he's probably like, all right, well, you know what? Let them do what they do. And Elijah's a type of gangster prophet. I'm not going to lie to you. But how many of us know even when we're strong, we still deal with some stuff? I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But right now, Baal... His prophets are sitting there, and now they're building the altar. Now they, you know, they, they, they made the hole in the ground. They started to build the wood. They, they, they put the this, the that. I don't want to go into details because I'll probably mess it up, and these theologians will look at me like, you don't know your word, so let's just stay away from that. So they... <laughs> what he said? What he said? Yo, you my buddy. supposed to hold me down, bro. If he's talking, go get him. <laughs> He said, he's not messing with him. He saw the gun on his side. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> God is good. We got cops, fire department, police, principals. We got all types of stuff in the church. This is the only place that you can see something like that happen. It's through the blood of Jesus that we all connect and make one mind and one accord. Make the body of Christ. Amen. Side note, why I keep getting distracted is you. I think it's you. You're so beautiful. You know why I'm standing on the step, right? Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so, so, now, so now we got these prophets, and they start trying to create the fire. 
And they start wilding. I'm pretty sure to the point where Elijah had to go, what the heck is that? Because I mean, you know, people try to over-spiritualize certain things, and they try to go, oh, come to Santeria. Because if you do this rosary, you'll have the power. If you grab just a strand of hair, they will fall in love with you. The devil is a liar. Woo! I don't want to get into that either, Tony. Let's just stay away from that. Let's stick to the story. So now we got this, these Baal, you know, prophets, and they up there. They get so crazy trying to create this fire that they begin to cut themselves. <laughs> like, picture that. You go into a psychiatrist, and they're trying to heal you, and they start going, why are you not getting healed? I'm cutting. I'm doing everything. You're not getting healed. And here comes Elijah, just one prophet, under, on top, on the side, on the other side, hand of God. Oh, man, this is some good stuff. I ain't going to lie. I'm a little excited right now. So now we get to the point where Elijah now begins to create his altar because they beat it all up. They beat the altar up. So he just restores it. He builds it up. He goes, by the power of God, let your fire come down. And what happens? I'm going to tell you what happens. That thing lit up. And we got fire, people. And people fell down and they started to worship God. The same people that was trying to make you believe in something is the same people that's going to turn around and realize that there's only one king of kings and lord of lords, one cornerstone that we must build the church. One, I mean, he's a good God. He's amazing. And, 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 he, and, and then after that, he gets the message. Sometimes when we have great victory, we got to face a great battle. And the funny part is that nobody's exempt for it. Because I don't know if you know about Elijah, but Elijah didn't really die. His body was carried up in a chariot of fire. God loved him. God cared for him. The same way that God loves you and he cares for you. And now we find one of the mightiest prophets. I'm talking about this is the dude that went up to the widow and said, listen, give me the last oil that you have and the last bread that you have. And I guarantee you that your house will never end again. In the midst of a famine. In the midst when everybody else didn't have. This prophet said, if you give me the little bit that you got, I promise you that you and your household will be fed. And now we find this prophet. After he proved every single 450 prophets wrong, and Ahab, the little snitch, we find that messengers are coming to him and that are telling him that by this time tomorrow, he's going to be dead. And he fleed. It says, when Elijah saw these things were, he ran for dear life. Some of us 
are running for dear life. And we're talking about one of the mightiest prophets when he could have easily just looked up to God and said, what's going on here? He chose the emotion and he ran for dear life. To Beersheba, Beersheba, far in the south of Judah, he left his young servant there. My man dipped on everybody. I'm wondering why our dad left us. He dipped on everybody. He just fleed. He could have prayed. He could have fought. He could have stood and, and, and raised us. We didn't have to go through the things we went through. If he would have fought, but he ran. Before you leave your marriage, pray. Before you decide to curse out one of your family members, pray. Before you decide to quit your job, pray. Before you decide not to come to church, pray. Before you make a business move, pray. He ran far into the south of Judah. He left his young servants there. Next verse. And when he went onto the desert, another day's journey. My man ran into the desert. I don't know if anybody here has traveled in the desert. But I watched Naked and Afraid. <laughs> On the Discovery Channel. It's a good show. I told you you're going to minister with me, bro. No, we're not going to enter the show. No, no way. No. I'm good. Really good. But a lot of them don't even make it to the 21st day. Some of them don't even make it past the first day. Because a lot of these climate places that they go to are, are, are horrible. They're hot. They got bugs. All types of snakes and scorpions that spit out stuff. And monkeys, when they're sleeping, they go, kah, 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 kah. I will not survive in that environment. Why would I go to that environment? Why would I run? from what God just did to go into a more chaotic environment. Then now I'm left to fight on my own. I choose not to pray about it. I choose not to deal with it. So I'm just going to run with it and battle with it on my own. Then he went into the desert another day's journey. No water, no food. Remember, this is the same prophet that the ravens was feeding him steak sandwiches. And he had a little brook there to give him some water in the midst of a famine. So he understood what it was like to have God's provision. And he understood what it was like to have God's power. And he saw it demonstrated. And he still ran. Just like Peter. Just like Nate. Just like Nelson. he came to a lone broom brush and collapsed in the shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all. Some Bible verses even say, some 
some texts say that he wanted to die. You ready to minister? You're going to be my broom tree. So lift up the broom. Right over my head. And I'm going to sit down. I'm kind of short. Don't hit me with the broom. <laughs> so now we find Elijah on the floor. Under a broom tree. I don't have a real broom tree, so we just got to improvise. Amen? We're in the hood. Let's just make it happen. Amen? Everybody thank my wife for getting me this broom last minute. Anybody getting anything out of this? We're about to close this. And then I'm going to leave it on you whether or not you're going to come up to the front and let God deal with you. He's under the broom tree. And he's tired. And he's struggling even after the great miracle that he just performed. That God just used him for. He's struggling now. He's struggling now. And he's fighting the battle of life. The anxiety, the depression, the lack. This is real life, y'all. The struggle. And he went to a place and he was by himself under a broom tree. The broom tree represents great loss. It represents tragedy. It even represents sorrow. But something else that it represents is refreshing. Refreshing. In June and April, in January through April, I'm sorry, the tree of, of, of the broom tree, it grows little white flowers on it. They have this smell of, of an aroma that's supposed to be soothing to the nose. And a lot of times we run to these places, these dark places, because we want to hide. Because we feel like God can't find us there. Because we feel like God can't deal with us there. And we run to our corners and we run to our alcoholism and we run to our depressions. We run to our clubs. We run to our parties. We run to our friends. We run to our families. And we try to hide from God, but God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. He's all over the place. And no matter where you try to go, no matter where you try to hide, God is there. And he's trying to hug you. He's trying to love you. He's trying to heal you. He's trying to break those chains over your life. He's trying to break those generational curses. He's trying to deal with the things that are killing you. He's trying to deal with the things that are holding you back from breakthrough, from, from, from having more and, and getting less. God is trying to give you more. He is a God of multiplication. He is a God of adding. And we run to our broom tree. What does a broom do? Show him. That's exactly what the enemy was expecting for Elijah. He was trying to sweep him out. He was trying to clean house. He was trying to get rid of somebody that soon later in scripture was going to prophesy the death of Jezebel. The enemy tries to take you out before you're able to do the miraculous. Before God is trying to do something wonderful in your life, keep sweeping. 
The enemy tries to sweep you up. He tries to get you out. He tries to snipe you from far away. A lot of times he even tries to make you kill your own self and harm your own self and think crazy ideas and get crazy thoughts. And he's just trying to sweep you out. But how many of you know that whatever the enemy tries to use for the worst, God turns it around and uses it for his good? Come on now. Come on now. God is going to use every tragedy. God is going to use every pain. God is going to use every struggle that you've been dealing with, that you've been fighting with. And God is going to turn it around for your good. He's going to turn it around. Your ladder shall be greater. This is not the end of it. This is not it. There's more to it. Your story's not finished. He shall turn your mourning into dancing. And even though the enemy's trying to sweep you out, he's trying to get you out, that same thing that's trying to get you out is going to be your strength. It's going to be your testimony. And how many of you know that we overcome by the power of our testimony? Put the broom back over me. And he's, under the, and he's under the tree. And he screams out, God, I want to die. A lot of us deal with this, y'all. God, I want to give up. God, I don't feel like I could be a good dad. I'm scared to be a parent. I'm scared to, 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 to go further. I'm scared to have another 10-year anniversary. I'm scared of what the 10th year is going to bring. And we struggle, and we struggle, and we want to run, and we want to run. But we got to stand. And you're under the broom tree, and you're hiding under your corner. Where's the Bible verse? Oh, you had the camera on me? My chichos was showing, Hula, you can't be doing that. God loves the cheerful giver, and the food be giving it to me, Amen. And it says, and then he went on to the desert, and another day's journey, he came in a lone broom brush and collapsed, and in its shade, waiting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. To just die. Enough of this, God. He told God, that's it. And he said, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Next verse. Exhausted, he fell asleep. Under the lone broom brush, suddenly an angel shook him and awake and said, get up and eat. God knows what you need before you need it. God knows exactly what you need when you need it. When Elijah was under this broom tree, he was ready to give it up. He said, God is over. I'm tired. I had enough. I can't keep going through this. I'm going through a lot, so much. I'm tired. 
I don't feel like I could do it. He said, exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Next verse. He looked around and to his surprise, right by his head, where a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. God got some food for y'all today. The Lord got some water for y'all today. Everybody stand up. Next verse. The angel of God came back, shook him awake again, and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. I don't know, but I just felt that one right there. I'm going to read it again. It says, the angel of God came back. He fell asleep after he ate. But the angel of God came back. See, God don't give up on you even when you want to give up on yourself. Come on, man. Yo, even when you want to quit, God is not going to give up on you. And he said, the angel of God came back and he shook him awake again and said, get up and eat some more. You got a long journey ahead of you. Oh, man. But God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every head bow, every hand lifted up. God, I thank you today. I worship you, Lord, because you are holy. Today, God, there was a word that was preached. There was a word that was given out that dealt with depression and anxiety. And we use the examples in your word, God, of Elijah, of Peter, those that went and did great things but also struggled at the same time, God. A lot of us done great things. A lot of us have been doing great things. A lot of us are doing great things, but we also have great battles in front of us. We also have great struggles in front of us, God. So right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that he will be unleashed and you will begin to fill the voids in our hearts, God. Fill us up, Lord. Every empty place right now, fill it up in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, move. Move right now mightily through the aisles. Move in the hearts. Move in the minds. Move in the spirits, God. Do what I cannot do, Lord, the supernatural. Do it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. Provide strength for where it's needed. Endurance where it's needed. Stamina where it's needed, God. Strength where it's needed. Wisdom where it's needed. God, knowledge where it is needed, God. Right now, unleash it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let heaven fall down on them, God. Let them feel the power of heaven. Let them feel the power of God. Let them know that you are real, God. Let them know that you are not a fake God, Lord. Right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that right now they're opening up their mouth and they're telling you what they need, oh God, what strength they need, what area they need it in, God. Let them be specific in how they act. Let them be specific in how they're going forth before you, Lord. Each one of us has a different struggle. Each one of us has a different stronghold. But right now we're calling it up to you, God, and we're asking that you'll break it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
the name that is above all names. We come against depression right now. We break depression right now in Calvary Christian Fellowship. We pray, oh God, that whoever walks through these doors, if they're dealing with the depression, that it will be broken the minute they walk up those steps right now in Jesus' name. We pray for your supernatural, Lord. Lord, right now we pray if anybody's dealing with anxiety, that it is broken right now in Jesus' name. Right now, we call confusion to the camp of the enemy, and we rebuke him, and we call him out, and we call him for what he is, a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar. In Jesus' name, we thank you that every stronghold is broken. Nothing can stop us because we're with you, God. Help us, Lord, through our struggles. Help us right now in Jesus' name. Jesus.